I'm Maddie Eisenberg, and welcome to Preconceived Notions. Each episode will knock down some stereotypes and myths about aspects of day-to-day life. This season is focused on mental health. I had never even thought that Tourette's could be contagious. I didn't know that anyone had thought that Tourette's could be contagious. And I'm like, oh, is that a, is that a myth people think? This is Drew. He's 21 years old, born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, a university student, and a bit of a history buff. He's my brother, and he has Tourette's syndrome. In your own words, can you describe what um, Tourette's syndrome is? Sure. It's a neurotransmitter disease. So there's some genetic factors, there's hormonal factors, there's... Uh, you're right in that they're, they're not entirely certain what causes any given instance of it. Um, but basically, these chemicals in your brain that transmit nerve impulses to your body... Uh, and that's how your body talks to itself, you know, um, they, they act out of line and they kind of, my understanding as I was told was that they kind of spill over. They, there becomes a, um, like a, a junk routine that it keeps on playing. Now that's often something as simple as a twitch or stretching the eyes or a little cough or moving your mouth uh there is a general idea that uh that it's very much a verbal disease and that's not really the case my understanding was that about 10 percent of tourette's is ver is um like verbal and another 10 percent of that is like cogent words so we'll get back uh to the uh verbal versus non-verbal ticks in a second but sure. uh, that's a really good thing to hone in upon, which is a tick, which is sort of the heart yes, of the disease. Yes, that is the phrase for them. And that's what people see most of. So um, you would say a tick is, is... I would say it as like a twitch, but it's a broader uh, encompassing category that includes verbal, includes like your face, which which is a twitch, but not in the traditional kind of little jumpy tweaky way that people think and so um yeah it's kind of a general term for these um involuntary behaviors caused by Tourette's Mm -hmm. and so more about tics uh there's going to be major tics as you said and there's going to be minor tics you err on the minor side um what are you know four or five of the things that you kind of experience day to day so probably the most disruptive one that I experienced um, I wouldn't say I have five distinct ticks right now, but I will speak to ones I have had, which is, I would say coughing was the most major one I ever had. And that was the first one I ever had. Oh, I didn't it, even um, know you had coughing tick. Yeah, it was present. It was kind of perceived by, um, my dad's parents and a little bit at first by my mom and dad, but 
then they quickly were uh, more concerned that it was like a, a plea for attention, like it was just like an annoying kid thing. But but no, like it didn't go away. It was almost like think of it like a hiccup, but it's a cough. And okay. That that did suck. I felt like a like a plague rat on the playground. But um yeah, twitching eyes and stretching face, like kind of that expression you make when you've just yawned, where you kind of like stretch. For all out of your, your facial face. features, yeah, get really wide. Yeah, your face is kind of expanded. Um, so there's that, there's little twitchy fidgety motions with my fingers around one another. Um, and you actually, um, one of the ones you did just, just now while we were speaking was sort of that sharp inhale of air as well. And that is the most common one and the most long lasting one. Oh, and um, is that, is that common amongst, uh, most people with Tourette's? That I'm not actually sure, but I think it is common that that a lot of them will go away, especially because there is a hormonal factor. A lot of people's tics will go away during, well, by the end of puberty. Um, but sometimes, and I think quite frequently, there's one or two that hang on, like with mine. And you've been, uh, your, your tics have greatly dissipated um, yeah. o- overall, I'd say. The only very noticeable one is when I kind of, I don't know, when I'm talking quickly, when I'm stressed, but it's not just stress. There's a lot of factors. I'll purse my lips a little and I'll make a little sucking breathing like um let me see if you can hear it in the camera yep yeah and that it, it it's almost like a stutter but it's not really hmm. and it's um that one's kind of stayed on I and I think it's one, ex- yeah uh no go ahead um it's but I but I'll also say about it, it's um I'm I'm sort of glad it is the one that stayed on because it was the most um it, it is the most conditional. Whereas I would say the coughing, the face movements, uh it was all it would also correlate with me being um more emotionally intense, but it would happen anyways all the time. And more passionate less, about certain topics. Yeah. yeah, and um there has been an association historically with between um um teretic rage i think was the uh term used for a while i don't know if it's used right now N- now some call it teretic ocd um and informally rage attacks uh, especially with young children now on on some level it can't be enti- it, it may be more correlated than caused with the Tourette's. it's hard to understand what's happening to you uh, especially if you're intense and then you kind of lose control of your body to some degree, but in my intense, I mean angry, then that's likely to escalate things and make you feel like things are more out of hand. But I will also add that I don't want to dismiss the idea that given that there is a big hormonal element to it, likely, um, teretic rage could be a causative, um, something that's kind of comorbid with it. And I know I had felt in my early teens, sometimes I'd have these, um, kind of these big breakdowns now granted i was in an an unhealthy relationship at a very early age but nonetheless they really felt like like nothing else they reminded me a little bit of the angry anger i get when i don't eat with my hypoglycemia for a very Mm -hmm. long time it's irrational it's kind of consuming and you know you should eat but you're angry so you don't like it's illogical um so, so that so that tourette's sort of you described it as tourette's ocd or tourette rage and um 
that's actually a point I wanted to touch on because um, I was reading on Tourette.ca, which is a Canadian company raising awareness about Tourette's, sure. that ADHD is a common partner, for lack of a better word, to Tourette's syndrome. And I guess, do, do you know if there's common links between other mental health um, struggles and Tourette's? I know you have... Um, you know, a, a little bit of depression, which we don't need to touch on. Um, you get anxiety sometimes, but do you, have you been uh, formally diagnosed with any other mental health issues? So I know that something called conclusion depression is often, um, is sometimes correlated with Tourette's. Again, who knows how this comorbidity interacts, but it, um, what makes conclusion depression a little different than what we generally think of? is that it's um often the person who has it doesn't really feel like they have depression now that can be a factor with all depression but especially so in this case it doesn't like all all depression feels different but this is primarily um limited to anhedonia or the inability to feel pleasure kind of uh, you could you could compare it perhaps to the feeling you get from an SSRI rather than from great trauma. Hmm. Like it's not quite depression, but there definitely is anhedonia with it. And that's something that you've experienced from time to time. Well, the thing is I've also been depressed, so it's kind of hard for me to actually determine that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got a, a few predispositions, but um but I have heard that they've they've noticed like a marked correlation with people who have one and the other. Could mm -hmm. be genetic factors. Yeah, and given you know that it is a neurological syndrome, you know it it can very well interact with other parts of your body, other parts of your mind to kind of coexist with um, with other things. So, and the brain's such a complex machine, and you know pushing cogs out of place, it like everywhere in the body it can have very long very, very uh, i wouldn't say long lasting but i guess so it can have very wide reaching wide reaching effects kind of like in a holistic sense it, it sometimes separating mental illnesses from one another when they're highly comorbid is a very subjective thing and it kind of it almost feels like a blob of illness at times mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And it's hard to sort of sift through your own mental health encyclopedia and, you know, pick out what's, you know, formally, quote unquote, um, a symptom of diagnosable. Exactly. you know, when you were younger, you had certain tics that vary from the ones you have now. Um, was there a day or a time when you remember knowing that something was different about how you were acting compared to the other kids in your class hmm. or other population? That's a very good question. I think I remember it having some kind of a sudden onset because I do remember feeling... Um, upset when my grandparents, and, I, and I'm not just trying to rag on them right now, I love my grandparents, but um, when they kind of were very critical of me in the sense of like not believing me, sort of. Um, so I knew at that point that 
what I was doing wasn't okay, and that it was something that was seems like an out of line. But I didn't really know what caused it, of course. But either whatever it was, it was leading me to act out of line. And you also didn't probably know how to stop doing what you were doing. No, it was literally like a hiccup. You, it just didn't feel voluntary because it wasn't. Um, emotional control and breathing and things like that, that's voluntary. And, well, sometimes breathing. Um, and <laughs> they can help regulate your tics. But the tics themselves, when they've come on, involuntary. Um, and when did you get officially diagnosed? Oh, God, I must have been, like, I remember I was going into gifted class, leaving the regular um, the regular program, and I remember my parents, well, my mom being particularly worried that in this environment, maybe they'd be more judgy, maybe I'd have to, like, come in and tell everyone about it first to make sure that people weren't weren't upset and i think i if i remember right i basically did just say hey yeah this is Tourette's. it's not actually swearing it's wedge and they're like okay so just kind of brush it off except for those who were actively seeking to bully me anyways it wasn't a big deal but that did not mean as it is with a lot of people with things that are you know uh neuroatypical that does not mean that it didn't become a point of targeting yeah. I, I and, wouldn't say it brought anyone to target me in the first place. Like, I've never walked down the street and be like, hey, that guy's twitching. But uh, but if someone wants to be mean, they'll they'll pull at everything and obvious points of neurological difference. I think, I, think, I mean, everyone with that who's experienced um, hostile interactions has probably felt that at some point. For sure. Whether it's Tourette syndrome, whether it's, you know, the way that they look or the way Autism. that they act. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, so I guess Tourette's, you know, because we're focused on, on mental health in this particular discussion, would you say that it's the Tourette syndrome that directly affects your mental health? Or would you say that it's the things that come from having Tourette syndrome external factors that are play more into your mental health overall? See, that's a great question. You see all these um, advertisements on buses around Ottawa that have a a child i guess a child like any other is the idea and it says um and they always have these messages to the tune of tourette's isn't a disease um um prejudices or something like that tourette's isn't a disease how we how we uh how intolerances something like that but it's um it makes me think of kind of the the um social model of disability the idea that there's that you know disabilities are not things that are inherently wrong or even aptly called diseases in a lot of cases but rather it's society and, and you know in contrasting to the medical model that's very you know dsm everything is an aberration so i i i've heard this debate I've seen these these signs that are like, like I'm not Tourette's isn't contagious, but my smile is stuff like, um, yeah. very much emphasizing the fact that it does it, it almost like they're saying it doesn't have to be a disease. Um, but you disagree with that? I think it's more nuanced than that, and um, I think that that very much like like a lot of things depends on severity, and. 
I think that, you know, a very well-regulated society could accommodate for almost anything. I, I have faith in that. But I do think that for someone who, um, you know, has so much trouble controlling their emotions or who is um, really, you know, who looks who looks very much out of place. And I think difference will attract negative attention you know, almost always, and we can fight that as hard as we can, and we can make that a society where that's frowned upon, like uh, where judging or acting negative to that is frowned upon, and things that make you different are not inherently diseases, but I think, you know, we live in a society, you know, and disease is relative. And I I think maybe the answer might be less of a... um... I feel like those bus ads where the ones you were talking about, Tourette's isn't contagious, but my smile is, it yeah. it sort of makes people who suffer from that syndrome, at least in my eyes, and you can feel free to disagree, uh, trying to meld them into society's idea of normal. And that's sort of counteractive to what should actually be happening. Yeah. And, and I understand wanting to attack specific things that are like, negative hurdles that must be overcome like the idea of Tourette's is just swearing but at the and you know that's not a matter of changing us so much as changing what what they think but at the same time some of them like that that I had never even thought that Tourette's could be contagious I didn't know that anyone had thought that Tourette's could be contagious and I'm like oh is that a is that a myth people think when they saw that? I felt <laughs> so like you, a So you've never had anyone come up to you and be like, whoa, careful, don't want to catch that Tourette's syndrome. I'm trying to remember. I remember a time when, you know, again, bullying was going on and I was called a spaz a lot for it. I'm trying to remember if anyone ever said anything to that tune. I won't say it's impossible, but I don't I don't remember that now. Or, what or people, when, I, when I saw the bus sign. What have people said overall to you or what have you heard people say about Tourette's? That is, elaborating for a minute, uh, That what have they said or have you heard them say about Tourette's that is inaccurate? Um, well, one thing I've heard, and this is not to suggest that even were this the case, it would justify, you know, mistreatment or judgment, but I think there is an assumption I've heard a few times that Tourette's like greatly affects your mind. And I, I know there can be some, like I was talking about Tourette rage, Tourette OCD, but they, I think they have sort of fallen for the Hollywood stereotype of the very like twitchy, twitchy, crazy tweaker. And, and the idea that like, I must be like, my mind's racing, racing around and thinking bizarre things in here. And I'm very like, you know, like a, the old ableist image of like the twitching guy in a straight vest, right? So I've I've had that before, and I'd like to clarify, even if it did significantly, um, even if I did feel like it really affected um, my state of mind frequently, that wouldn't make it okay. Um, but I do think that there's a generalization of abnor- of neurotypical equals crazy that I've I've come across. And the majority, I, I didn't look up the stat because I couldn't find it in Canada, but the large majority of people do not fall on that severe spectrum. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. It's it's not, it's very much the severe cases, and it is a spectrum. And I've, 
met one or two other people with Tourette's. They were all very little things, just face twitches and hand twitches. I personally um, have never even met anyone with verbal Tourette's. But, and did, you know, did they tell you that they had Tourette's when you first met them? Um, well, I saw little things and then I'm like, oh, hey, is that Tourette's? And when they were like, like, I think one of them was kind of like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have it too. Don't worry. Kind of a mutual understanding of what was going on there. Yeah, because you don't want to feel like you're being accosted like, hey, that guy's twitching. Do you have Tourette's? Yeah. So I, I do think you want to kind of open up with like, I understand. I am not asking for you to like talk a bunch about what it's like to have Tourette's. You very well might not want to. But Did, did some of them end up talking to you about it? I, yeah, I, I think so, because I remember comparing my experience a little bit with someone else's. Um, one thing I don't remember is whether either of them had taken medication for it at any point. Have you? Yeah, yeah, in grade nine. Uh, for, if any Americans listen to this, ninth grade. Um, great, so um, I was, I, I just turned 14, and I was really feeling quite depressed. And my tics were pretty bad. And given, you know, the possible correlations, uh, the psychologist I saw was like, well, this could be the Tourette's. Let's see about addressing it chemically. Um, like, I was really sad. I was writing sad notes in my Keep app. Well, uh, mm -hmm. Apple Notes app. It was tough. Um, but the meds didn't really help, actually. They, I think, made me feel worse. Overall, what did help? Long term, probably therapy, not specifically for Tourette's, but for general mental health and emotional regulation. If I were to assign it to anything, it's probably that. I was at Nepean, which is a high school here in, in Ottawa. And yeah, I also went there. Yeah, you went there as well. And uh, I took a, believe it was a history course with a professor called Mr. Drummond. Yeah. And he was speaking about some sort of thing in our syllabus and talking about history. And then he was talking about a person who was... Um, very aggressive and erratic in their behavior. And he said, but it's not like he has Tourette's syndrome and then started mimicking Tourette's syndrome and what he thought was the, a quote, Hollywood stereotype of someone who was just, I don't like using the word crazy because it has a very negative connotation, but that's what he was going for. Yeah. And I, I have I ever told you this story? <laughs> No, I think you did, because I remember you being really angry about someone being um, rude about Tourette, so I'm assuming it was him. I w it was him, and I, and I went and I said, listen, um, my brother has Tourette syndrome, and he immediately apologized, but I think, I, I don't know what the disconnect is there between people thinking it's okay to make fun of someone with a syndrome like this and knowing actively that there are people in society who suffer from that syndrome. 
um, this is an issue when people with disabilities don't tell stories and, and content pertaining to their disabilities, especially people with fairly, um, you know, uncommon one where the odds of having, of, you know, you know um, directing writing staff who, who have that, um, getting them all together, it certainly can be done. But the type of person who, who wants to make a joke out of Tourette's um, they're not going to do that. South Park's South Park isn't going to do that. They're not going to round up those people because at the end of the day, any of the of the kind of credit from we allowed people to tell their own stories doesn't matter because the people who care about that often don't really like South Park. So I think it will it'll stay like this for a bit. I mean, frankly, I think when it's heyday and the whole oh you swear you have Tourette's thing, I think it's I don't think it's attachment to Tourette's will die down so much but i think its popularity as a concept in general has died down a lot and hopefully that will make it easier to eventually kind of say okay yes you were told that ha 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 Tourette's is is actually this and do you think talking about it in this sort of um honest format maybe less bus ad and more raw conversation is part of the way to dispel that preconceived notion I think it's part of it because I think that it um, fundamentally what you want to be doing is interacting directly with a human and having them kind of say, this is what it's like. I'm the one who would know. And I think that's really the key to changing people's opinions about things. It's very hard to do so otherwise. And, and I think, I mean, I, that's why they do in school assemblies for a lot of things, right? You want to have a face, a person saying, Hey, there's this issue listen to me it's not what you think it is or you need to be careful or whatever um so i do think you know more in-person audio less cartoons will definitely be a factor yeah and with all of these um misguided ideas of tourette's with all of these people who um suffer from tourette syndrome uh on a more major scale for example and minor mm -hmm. just all-encompassing if you could speak to someone who knows absolutely nothing about Tourette's um, at all, what would you say to that person? Well, that's a, that's a great question because I'm talking about dispelling so many myths and there are myths that are true. There's myths that are myths about Tourette's regardless of how severe it is. But, you know, I don't want to, dispel myths and then create the new myth that Tourette's isn't very severe and it, it doesn't really affect you that much. So, you know, that is a problem. You really have to be like, it only affects, it affects a minority of those who experience Tourette's syndrome, but that's real and they deserve empathy and for that as well and explaining to this person if i were to talk to someone who didn't know about it i would tell them neurotransmitter disease um it basically means some involuntary issues like hiccups some of them can come with a more of an emotional impact and neurological impact some of which don't the former is in the minority and we're not crazy, which is not to, which is also to say that no one is, but we're not um, by necessity violent. We're not 
um, were very rarely verbal, and comorbidity with other diseases is common, but don't consider it the norm and assume that someone with Tourette's syndrome is generally mentally unwell. That's what I would say. I want to thank Drew for speaking so openly and for breaking down some preconceived notions about Tourette's syndrome. This season of Preconceived Notions has no sponsor. The sole purpose of this season is to raise awareness about mental health. If you want to contribute in some way, please consider donating to a mental health charity of your choice. Stay tuned for the next episode.